Hello, listeners. I'm Jamia. I'm Jamila, and we are Live Voices. Here from librarians of color, what speaks to the fullness of their careers, including successes and challenges. How do they do it? Join us to find out more about their Live Voices. Welcome to season four, episode two. Today we have an interview with John Light Jr. John Light Jr., also known as Mr. John, got his start in librarianship at Perry Library as a student at Old Dominion University. Later, Mr. John worked at Potomac Community Library where he learned the art of storytelling. He has shared stories with the old and young in schools, community centers, and senior centers. While there, he also found a passion for genealogy. As a result, he was able to discover new family members and restore his family tree. In December 2019, Mr. John graduated from the iSchool of Syracuse University with the MLIS degree. His time at Syracuse was rewarding and taught him how to be a real librarian. Mr. John is also a children's author who has published three picture books, The Adventures of Joshua and Pip, The Adventures of Joshua and Pip, Calvin the Catfish, and My Mother's Wildest Dreams. Mr. John is currently a youth librarian at Islands Library, a branch in the Live Oak Public Library system of Savannah, Georgia. He is married to Deidre Light, his wife of 20 years, and has 13-year-old twins, Joshua and Jeremiah. What drew you to librarianship? Man, um, librarianship, it kind of it kind of called me. Um, I didn't, I really didn't go to the library at all as a, uh, as a child, like in, I mean, other than like, you know, when you're in school, you would go to the library, um, in the school, but like the public library, I never went to the public library. Um, but when I went to, uh, Old Dominion University, my work study program was at the library. So I was working behind the scenes. And um, I worked there for two years until my work study was over. And um, I just kind of left it alone. But um, later on, I needed to find like a real job, <laughs> like a real full-time job. And, you know, something said, well, hey, you, you did work at the library, uh, you know, in school, like see if there's some library positions. And, um, and so I looked for them and I was able to find one in Virginia Beach. And I was there for seven years. And I just, you know, I just liked it. I just liked it. And so it's, it seemed like with libraries, it was um, kind of like a calling or a pulling um, that it was pulling me to the library. Because, um, I mean, I've read as a child, um, but I didn't read like books, like most people read books. I was reading Sports Illustrated magazines. Like that's what my mom got me. I love sports any kind of sports. So she bought me Sports Illustrated magazine. And so I would write, read Sports Illustrated magazines. And um, so never really needed the library per se. Um, but I just just kept finding myself being called back to the library. Um, even after leaving Virginia Beach, um, I went and I worked in different places, uh, worked in insurance and um, had been working in insurance for like five years. And then I went and visited the library again and it was like this, it was like this, this aura, this mantle fall, fell down and was like, this is where you're supposed to be. Like, <laughs> get out of this insurance industry. You need to come back to the library. And um, and like, soon as I, I visited, I applied maybe two or three months later, 
for a position and got got a position like within six months um, back at the library. And that's really what started me uh, being um, on my path to becoming a librarian. Uh, so it just the, the library just kept on pulling, pulling on me and calling me back to it, really. And, you know, circulation was fine. But when I got back in again is when I went into youth services. And man, the youth service has just been awesome for me. Um, love children, uh, love um, kids, love helping people all ages. And um, so, man, I'm, I'm just, I've been, I've been like on cloud nine uh, for like the last six, seven, eight years. That's great. It sounds like you really found your, your niche um, even within the library. So that's, that's cool to hear. Yes, yes. Uh, so as a BIPOC librarian, what do you view as critical to the success of the field? Uh, I think I think what helped me is having a clear um, understanding of what it is I want to do in the library. And so when I um, you know, finally got on the journey to um, becoming a librarian, um, you know, they'll have them first couple of classes, you got to come up with your philosophy your librarian philosophy. And um, for me, it, it was, it, I kind of took that very serious. And, and mine is to, is to provide, is to empower people uh, to become their best selves. Um, that's my philosophy. And so I've just let that guide me. It, it guided me through um, my, the entire program. And it just, it, it's guided me ever, ever since. And so um, I think kind of have a, a clear expectation of um, what you want to do, like what, what is the impact that you want to make uh, in the field? Um, and, that, and then letting that guide your decision making. I, um, and I think that's kind of like the difference between maybe the difference between, uh, you know, being a librarian and, um, you know, people who are, are people who are working in the library is like kind of taking that step to where, you know this is what you're going to be doing long term and um, and like finding that passion for what you're doing as opposed to just coming to work, which some people, you know, they just come into work because, you know, they need they need they need work. They come to work. Um, but success is, is having having clear, having a clear understanding, having a clear uh, vision and a clear mission for what you want to do. That is definitely good stuff there. So how do you promote equitable practices through your work? So I was thinking about, thinking about this question. And for me, it kind of, it stems around um, agency and autonomy. It, you know, I try to, so being a youth librarian, I try to make the space, um, I try to make the space a place where everybody can kind of find something for themselves. Um, I try to provide different experiences uh, in our space. Um, if I wanna, if I wanna, you know, create programming, I, I ask, you know, I ask um, the community, like, what is it, you know, what do you want? Um, and I think that right there is kind of one of the main main ways that you would promote promote. Uh, equity is asking people what they want. What do they need? You know, what do you need? What do you want? Um, and then providing that for them. 
uh, because everybody's needs are different and we can't assume what the needs are. Um, but we, what we can do as librarians is again, empower, empower you to, to be the best. So what do you need? What, you know, what does this community need? Um, and so and then also just giving people that, that agency to, you know, use the resources, uh, use the technology to, um, you know, do what they need to do. Um, even with my, um, with my team, you know, I, I asked them like, hey, like, what is it that you want to do? Like, I'm not, I don't want to be the type of person to say, we're going to do this. Like, I want to get your ideas. What do you think we need? Um, what do you want to do? And just let me be the person that provides you with um, the resources that you need, the, 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 the tools that you need to make it come together. Um, and so to me, that's the way that I would um, that I kind of bring equity into what I do on a daily basis is just giving people that that agency, that autonomy, that choice. Like they have the choice. You you have a choice in you know how you can create the life that you want to live. You have a choice. I'm just here, like I'm just here passing out the different choices. I'm just here providing you with what you need. That's good. Definitely asking people what they need and being able to provide that space for them to get that is definitely the difference between equity and equality. Cause like you said, everyone doesn't need the same thing. Everyone um, needs something different. So meeting them where at their point of need is definitely, definitely I, important. Yeah. And I think we, you know, again, we get into um, when I was, when I first got back into the library, you know, we did a lot of programming and we would have our programming meetings and we were like, okay, like, what we're going to do? What are we going to do six months from now? Like, what are we going to do? And like, we didn't often ask. And I used to be like, you know, like, what? Well, like, do they want this? Like, do I mean, you know, we just creating these programs six months for for six months later, and we don't even know if they're going to be successful. We don't have any kind of data. We going off. It's just like us. You know what I'm saying? It's just us um, trying to come up with something in our head and. Um, and so I was always thinking, you know, and I can get to a point like we need to we need to ask people what they need. Um, and just even with trying to ask people, because you got to try to find them, you know, because they don't always come into the library. Most of the people that we really want to help don't often come into the library. So that means you've got to be uh, proactive and you, you, you got to be willing to go outside the library to um, get that information. Um, and that's a big thing that I like to do as well. Um, uh, when I started, so now I'm down in Savannah, uh, Savannah, Georgia. And when I got down here, man, I was like on, I was on Instagram so hard, just trying to like learn about the area and making connections and, uh, and just trying to get information from people. Like I showed up to work and I was like, oh, you know, like they need this, 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 and this. You know, like what? Like what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, like I'm, you know, I've been on Instagram and I heard this. I've been over here and I heard that. And like that's that's you know, I I just feel like that's the way you got to do it if you you know if you want to help the community, um, if that's what you want to do. Um, and I think you know sometimes we say you know we want to be viable, but you got to be able, you got to want to do the work to get out there and um find out the information that you need, you know, so you're not just 
you know, making up stuff and wasting time. Yeah, I think you made some great points, like, uh, um, especially about agency and um, giving, you know, I don't know if it's giving, right? Like, because we're not necessarily giving them that, right? But just kind of helping them um, claim the agency that they already have. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's definitely empowering when it comes to um, working with um, our our patrons, our students, whatever that is. Um, so I really um, love that idea or, or that point that you make around agency, but then also about meeting meeting them where they are. Right? They don't always come into the library, like you said. They don't always come to us. Sometimes we have to go to them, and um, so I think that that is definitely one of the things we should be keeping in mind in terms of equitable practices, because we want to be able to reach people um, at all points. And, and, you know, the people who come into the library are like, again, like you say, are not necessarily, um, they don't re- always represent everyone we're wanting to help. Mm-hmm. So yeah, great points. Thank you for sharing those. Um, can you tell us more about how you can come or how you came into storytelling and its impact on your role in librarianship. So um, when I got back into the library um, back in Virginia, this was at our Potomac Community Library in Woodbridge, Virginia, uh, working in youth services. Um, I had to provide, um, you know, story time programming. Um, you know, so I'm now I'm finding books and I'm, you know, reading, you know, reading different books and having to come up with crafts and things like that. And, um, you know, after a while of, of, of doing that, uh, sometimes, you know, it's, there's an art to picking like the right book for story time, which I don't know if a lot of people kind of know about, but like certain books just don't read well during story time when you got toddlers, <laughs> you know, or, or young kids sitting there and they like, you know, I'd rather go over here or play with, you know, pull somebody's hair you know, stick my finger in somebody's ear, like they'd rather just, you know, be doing something else because you're sitting up there. Um, so, certain, you know, certain books um, uh, are just not good story time books, but they can still be like good picture books, you know, if you read them at home with your child. Um, and so sometimes I would pick some books and, you know, they didn't really work out. Um, and, you know, one time I was something, I was thinking like, like, man, you know, I wish I could tell a story. I wish I could tell a story. And in that way, you know, they are always looking at me like I kind of I always have their attention. They're not kind of like looking over at this book. And um, so I went on YouTube and I put in a black storyteller, put in black storyteller. And I was scrolling and I came across this lady named Jan Blake. Um, She's a storyteller based in Manchester, England. Um, her parents originate from Ghana, and I started listening to her stories, and they were just awesome. Um, I loved everyone. I loved how she told them, like her voice, her the the the, the cadence, the rhythm of the stories, the 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 meanings of the story, um, everything. I just loved everything about them, and so I was like, man, okay, I wonder if I can um, learn these stories. And so uh, one morning I was kind of going over one story uh, in my head and I got I got from beginning to end. I, I was able to make it from beginning to end. There was a couple of slip ups and, you know, but I was able to make it. I said, OK, well, let me go ahead. I'm going to try it because, you know, I always every week I have a captive audience. 
uh, which was a great benefit for me. Every week I was going to have a captive audience. And so I said, I'm going to go ahead and try it. And uh, tried it at a, at a story time. The kids loved it. The parents loved it. Um, I was so happy that I made it through from beginning to end. Um, it was awesome. And it just gave me, you know, more uh, confidence that I could do more of them. Um, so I went and I learned some more. Um, I even went as far as to go on to uh, Facebook and, and message Jan Blake. Um, and to my surprise, she actually answered, uh, you know, some of my messages and, you know, so I'm, I'm asking her questions about, you know, how she does what she does. <laughs> and I, I think I, I asked so many questions. She said, man, look, <laughs> like I'm, I'm going to answer this one last question. You're like, but you know, like the kind of information that I'm giving out, like I usually get paid for this. And I was like, oh my God, like, oh, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. But you know, not, look, I hadn't made any any big time money to send her any checks at the time. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, like, I'm like, you know, thank you. I'm just, you know, happy that she shared what she shared. Yes. So our last question. So in addition to being a librarian and a storyteller, you are also a children's book author. What outlet does writing fulfill for you that librarianship and storytelling don't? Well, it's that, um, it's that create that the creative energy. So the the librarian energy is my that's my um my 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 urge to serve serve people to serve. Um, that's always kind of been like something like I never knew like what is you want to do like I don't know I just like helping people I just like helping um, I just like helping people and so that's kind of like that's what librarianship feels um, that feels that for me. The um, storytelling is the uh, that extroverted uh, energy of being <laughs> of kind of like entertaining and active. And so um, I learned I learned through my through genealogy. I already knew that my father and his siblings are wonderful singers, um, but then I learned that not my grandfather, but my great-grandfather was a singer. And, um, and his brother, they were singers as well, gospel singers. And then his father was a singer as well. So it's, it's just that thing where it's, it's, the, you know, it's passed on down, down the line, the, you know, that entertainment type uh, feeling. So that's what that kind of, that fulfills that for me. And so then with the writing, it's the creative, uh, that creative energy. Um, being able to get that creative energy out. And I've always written, I've always wanted to write. Um, the issue with writing was I always thought if you wrote something, it had to be a novel. I'll, you know, because like every, you know, you see books, you see, you go to the library and you see books. Most of the books you see are chapter books or long books. Um, and you don't really think about the the nonfiction books um, per se, because, you know, they're not as long as the, you know, the fiction books. When you go to the library, you always think you're going to get, you know, this chapter book that you're going to read, you know, this novel. And so I would always sit down and I would try to write something. And it just and I just didn't have I didn't have the, the stamina to write that long, like to to keep a story together that long. Um, 
And it never dawned on me, never dawned on me until I was reading probably maybe a year in of reading like story time books. You could write story time books, sir. Like, John, you could do, you could write this book. Do you see this book? It's illustrated. It has probably one page worth of content. Like you could write this. And when that, when that light bulb went off, um, I was like, oh man, like, okay, like, okay. Not to mention I was already, or had already been telling my son's bedtime stories, you know, as they, you know, babies, you know, so I would come up, I'd go in there and I'd make, make, make up these stories. Like just sitting there, I'm just making up in the dark with them. And, um, and one of them said something about, you know, turning it into a book. Okay, that's great. I'm wondering if you had that full circle moment where you read your books in the library. Did you? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, indeed. I was, and I'm, still, I'm still trying to get libraries to get the book in their library. Um, uh, the Adventures of Joshua and Pip. Oh, yes. Um, once once we got it, you know, I told everybody, you know, I have a book and they were excited, you know, so the, the library ordered it and, you know, they was they like, John, look, your book's in, your book's in. So, yeah, at, like at the first chance I was, the first chance I got, I, I read the book and um, in the library during story time and and, and the kids love it. They, the kids love it. All kids, all kids love it. Um, no, not just black and brown kids, but all, you know, all kids love it. And, um, oh yeah, it was just, it's one, I have to tell myself not to read the book <laughs> more, more and more. Than, <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. Give someone else like, a chance. I'm pushing an agenda. So, you know, I may, I probably read it in a school and like in the library. I probably read it maybe once or twice a year. Um, you know, cause I don't want to say like I'm pushing nothing, but I, three of them. And like in our current system right now, have three books in the system. Um, and so I, you know, I pull them out. They, they usually stay on display, though. <laughs> they stay on display. They stay on display. <laughs> they get checked out. Right. Okay. <laughs> that is great. That's, that sounds great. That sounds great. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, so I guess we've reached the end of our, our questions, but is there anything that we didn't touch on that you'd want to add now? Um, no, not really. I guess um, I would get in trouble if I didn't tell you to go to my website, uh, www.theylivedhappily.com. Um, that's where you can always uh, reach me. Um, that's where my books are. Um, if someone ever wants to do storytelling, that's how you can get in touch with me uh, for me to come do storytelling or to do any genealogy uh, services. Uh, that's the way that you can meet or uh, reach me uh, on Instagram. Um, Mr. John, uh, what's that? Uh, what's the lower dash? I don't know. T-L-H-E-A. They lived happily ever after. I don't know. The name. <laughs> underscore. Un- underscore. Right? Yeah. Uh, underscore. <laughs> uh, underscore. T-L-H-E-A, they lived happily ever after. Um, and on LinkedIn, I'm just John, I'm John Light Jr. Um, and so, yeah, just feel free to contact me. I'm always uh, willing to help, willing to serve. Um, all about librarianship, storytelling, writing, whatever, genealogy, whatever it is, uh, in those fields that you need help with, uh, please feel free to contact me and let me know. And um, I'm always willing to serve. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you so much.
Thank y'all for having me. I'm, this is this is a this has been a pleasure to be on with the great Live Voices podcast. Oh, great! Y'all around, you know, oh, I've, been great. Showing, okay. I've been sharing your information all, all the time. You. So I mean, this is this is big time. This is big time for me. We okay, it. <laughs> that's great. So now you can share the episode with you in it. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Right. <laughs> Hit all the folks on your platforms, you know. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs>